The authors of the book, In Their Time, cite one common denominator among all great leaders. They possess an acute sensitivity to the social, political, and demographic context that came to define their eras. Relevance is so crucial today, and no one is more relevant than God. God is not only omniscient and omnipotent, but he is omni-relevant. But cultural relevance doesn't mean dumbing down convictions or watering down the truth. So what does it really look like to be righteously relevant? In this episode of Keep It 100, we have a crucial conversation on this subject with pastor of Saints NYC, Chris Durso. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Keep It 100 with the Smiths. What up, though, fam? <laughs> Come on, everybody. We're so excited to be here with you guys. Sean, I have a question for you because we know what we've been up to this week, but our tribe doesn't. How is your back doing? <laughs> <laughs> my back? Oh, my goodness. Right. My back it feels worked. Ooh. I've been worked this week. What we're referring to, you guys, is we've been moving all week, clearing out my mother's old house, finding all kind of sentimental stuff. Yes. I found my old yearbooks. I found my old trophies. I found even my old baby shoes. I know. I found some pictures of you with some girls uh, from some past dances, and I was like, hey. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're funny. But mostly, we were just cleaning up space I, this week. You know what? As I was going through you know, room after room, closet after closet, drawer after drawer, you know, I really felt like it's so funny because because it so parallels what I believe we've been in in this prolonged season, that we've been in this season where God is clearing up space and cleansing the body of Christ. There's such a clean out season we're in. That's so true. We've you know, been seeing that. Right? It's so true. And some of the clearing up really falls along the conversation that we're having today on the Keep It 100 podcast, and that is righteousness versus relevance. You know, we're really seeing a line drawn in the spirit between the two. And the two actually need to be connected, but often Often there is a, people choosing one over the other. You know, that really connects to this article I read this week, Boo. I read this article on LinkedIn entitled, Why Content is King, Relevance is Queen, and Engagement is Kingdom in Online Marketing. Wow. And the interesting thing about it is they emphasize that the key is to create content that users find relevant. Mm. And that's something that you and I always endeavor to do. Whenever True. we're preaching, we always endeavor to bring it where people live. Mm. I always have loved the fact that ministers like T.D. Jakes is able right. to preach on the streets where people are living on. And 100. I believe it so uh, respects the gospel to actually think about what is relevant and how to connect with the people, but obviously at the same time, maintaining that our content, which is king, is the Bible. It's the most important thing that we have. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus, it says in Mark 12, verse 37, it says that the common people love to listen to Jesus, which tells me that Jesus knew how to connect with people. I mean, Jesus is such an, a perfect example of what it is to connect with people right where they live. And we see that again and again in scripture. You know, I've shared this, I preached this probably a couple of weeks ago now, and that is really the truth of, I love that the word of God shows mountaintops and breakthrough and answered prayers and p incredible people of faith, like Hebrews 11 is full of the Hall of Famers. But I also love that it shows people on their worst day. It shows people in a place of vulnerability, in a place of 
of brokenness, a place of pain, that Jesus brought the gospel to them from a place of redemption, from a place of restoration, and really true through his righteousness. And so what I love is that we see the righteousness, but the relevance of the gospel, that wherever people found themselves in, from whatever decision was made, from whatever walk of life, from whatever road they walked down, the gospel encountered them and brought them freedom. You know, we see that again and again, and even in Psalms 11, 7, it reads, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds and the upright shall behold his face. So we can never lose sight of the power of the righteousness of the gospel because the gospel could not be more relevant. See the body of Christ, we have the luxury of possessing the most relevant message on the planet, which is the gospel. And so for anyone to think it's not relevant, hasn't really dug into the scriptures or studied the life of Jesus. The gospel is so relevant because we think about things being in the now, when we say something's relevant, it's now, it's current. But the Bible is so relevant, it's already in your future. You can't mm. get more relevant than that. Come on. You know, I had a conversation about this with Chris Dursel, and I love what Chris brings to this conversation and the perspective he carries. I am so excited we're having Chris on this episode this week because Keep It 100 Tribe, get ready for a phenomenal conversation on an incredibly important topic. <music> Hey, Keep Your 100 Tribe, what's up? We got Chris Durso. You may remember the episode he was with us when he was talking about identity. I'm super excited to have Chris Durso. He's the lead pastor of Saints Church in New York area. He is the author of a couple books. His recent book, The Heist, How God Robs Us of Our Shame, is amazing. He's married to a giant. They've got two wonderful kids. And today, we are so glad to have you, Chris. What's up? What's up? Man, what's up, Sean? I'm so happy to be back. Thank you. That means that means the last time we were together it was it was good. Um, <laughs> and I'm I'm happy to be back chatting with you. Oh man, awesome! You know we're gonna dive in this, and I think you guys are gonna love this episode. And Chris, what we're gonna hit the table talking about today is how do you clarify this battle between righteousness and relevance? I love this topic. I love this conversation. And I love the idea that we're we're going to tackle this thing head on right here, right now, because I think that it is the issue of the individual. And I believe it is the issue of the church. I think the church Say has that. done a poor job uh, communicating and talking with people about the truth of holiness and how we carry ourselves. There has been a void in this area. And I know that for us as believers in Saints Church in New York, we want to be those that tackle it head on. So so here's what I mean. I have to be willing to talk about holiness and I have to be willing to take it head on as an individual, as a believer. God, what is okay for me? What is not okay for me? And not based off of conviction, based off of the word. Because somebody could say, well, I'm not going to do something um, because it's wrong. And someone else is going to say, well, I'm going to do it um, because I'm not convicted by it. Well, if you're not convicted for murdering someone, is murder still murder? And is murder still wrong? And this Come is on. why... It can't be predicated off of feelings. So when we talk about relevance and righteousness, this is a beautiful conversation because as time has progressed, so has the lines become blurred where what was wrong in one season is now okay in the next. My argument would be if it's okay now, then it probably was okay before and people made the wrong thing about it. Or if it was wrong then, then it is still wrong now. Why? 
because we are basing all of this off of the word of God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word does not change. He does not speak and make mistakes. Uh, there's this one story I heard growing up where this, this man stands up in the middle of a church service and he goes to, to prophesy. And as he's prophesying, he's telling the congregation, I'm going to do a new thing in you, says the Lord. And I'm going to bring you to new heights, says the Lord. And the same way I used Noah to lead the people of Israel through the Red Sea, I'm going to do the same for you. Oops, saith the Lord. I meant Moses. Oops, saith oh the Lord. God. God didn't mess that up. He knows who Noah is and he knows who Moses is. And Say this that. is where believers mess up. Because they don't know what the word of God says. And That's they right. will they will fudge the word of God and they will mix it with self-help books and they will mix it with culture and they will mix it with feelings. So let's talk about it. You want to talk Come about on, righteousness? Righteousness on, Chris, is still God's expectation for God's people. Holiness is not a theme and it's not a sermon series we get to. It is still an expectation and it is still a desire now more than ever that God would have. Why? Because God doesn't retract. He goes forward. He goes from glory to glory. So if he goes from glory to glory and holiness is a part of it, but we should get louder with our holiness. So if you're if you're nervous to talk about where you are in one season and you're still nervous in the next season, I would challenge that you're not willing to be honest about your faith and what the Bible actually says. I think it is beautiful that we have switched the way that we have done church. And in one Come season, on, there was an expectation that you had to wear a suit. And now in this season, you don't have to wear a suit. You can wear t-shirts and skinny jeans. And there are some churches that. that both you and I go to, you still have to wear a suit. I don't care. I really like wearing suits. I, I think it's a cool look. I'm from New York. I, I love the whole Ralph Lauren look. But this is not about, <laughs> this isn't about style of dress. This has everything to do with placement of heart. And when people see you, do they see Jesus? This is important. Mm. If I see you, can I see Jesus in your actions, in how you talk? in your conversations, how you talk about others. I find that so often people want to move around the word of God so that they could continue doing what they enjoy doing. When the fact of the matter is when you take out the submission to Christianity, you don't have Christianity. We are here because of surrender. Therefore, we go forward in surrender. Surrendering is not surrender if I don't have to give up something that I enjoy doing or something Mm -hmm. that I commonly do. And the reason why I want to say all that up front is because I think what the church has done a bad job at, the church has done a poor job at being honest and being truthful about what is considered righteous or what is deemed ratchet. And everything that we're called to do as believers is predicated on discipleship. That is so good, man. I'm serious. I'm getting fired up over here. You know, I was thinking about this whole thing of righteousness and relevance, Chris. But I was thinking relevance, at least what I would call the knockoff relevance, because I absolutely believe that there are a lot of churches that on my iPhone, uh, underneath the app store, I'll get a little number. And I'm not OCD in a lot of areas, but there's one way I'm OCD is if there's a little number that appears beneath my app store, it means I have upgrades. So I'm getting all my upgrades. I'll get my wife's phone because she'll let them accumulate. I'll get all her upgrades. (laughs) Why? Because the latest upgrade fixes the bugs of the old app, but it keeps it current so it can converse with you know my iPhone with my computer, my iPhone with certain other things that are going on. But why wouldn't I want the up-to-date version that fix all the bugs? And I feel like there are a lot of people that they 
have kind of almost demonized relevance in a sense of, and again, I'm going to talk about there's a knockoff version of relevance that, that we don't need to be about. But I feel like when Paul said, I became all things to all men, in some ways I might win some, I think he was addressing this thing of, of relevance. And Jesus sure. had no problem meeting the sinner or the seeker right where they are at. His parables largely involved everyday life stuff. They were farmers and the majority of his parables are about an agrarian lifestyle. He took ancient stories that had been told a different way, put a twist on it. You know, even the instance of the prodigal son, the good Samaritan, Paul, when he was at Athens, he, he pointed out that, hey, your prophets and poets have said this and you've done this, but this actually is more about God. And so I feel like we do have to be relevant because we're doing the gospel a disservice if we make it some antiquated, historical, back in the day, no one can relate to thing. Because at the end of the day, you and I share this and actually it's all what the gospel's about. We're trying to win folks. We're not trying to deliberately lose folks. Right. So now here's this thing I think is important. Now we ought to be relevant with the gospel because we do a disservice to Jesus who we're not supposed to put Jesus in a place where he is not set forth Absolutely. as the attractiveness. And here's this other thing. Just knock off relevance is about, I think, people being being seen. Like back in the day, hip hop song, watch me, watch me, watch me, watch yeah. me. And, and I kind of feel like we've almost leaned into that in a modern version of Christianity, that it's about me, that we have Christian celebrities, that it's about how many followers you got. And we've so gone on that knockoff relevance, but relevance may cause you to see the vessel. But the Bible says without holiness, you won't see God. And this thing is about if I don't That's have right. an element of righteousness, and you said it, it's that, hey, Jesus has to be seen in us. I mean, when you talk about that element of righteousness and relevance, in what ways do you see right now the relevance factor is something that maybe we need to speak to in terms of how church is done in modern Christianity? Well, you, I mean, you, you got me fired up. So I feel like you just said so much. My, my dad always quoted this line to us. You never have to advertise a fire. Why? Because a fire is a fire, and when you see it, you're drawn towards it. So this idea of people trying to get creative so that they can get people to see them, it is corny. It is not helpful to the gospel. It is not helping Jesus. When Jesus used relevance, he used it to make his point and to bring his point across. The reason why people have fishes on their bumper stickers and and tattoos is because he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But he was talking to fishermen. If, if he was talking to non-fishermen, he wouldn't have given that example. He was using relevant language to speak to these men exactly where they were. And that's what's, what's so important and key that we understand about relevance. So I need to understand where somebody's at. That's what relevance is. I have to understand what they're listening to and what's going on in the world so that I could speak to them where they're at. That's, that's what Jesus did, but not leverage relevance so that somebody could say that I'm famous. There's a big difference. And, oh my gosh. And, and I think this is where this celebrity Christian culture has come is coming to a head. I think it's coming to a crash. I've been in rooms with people and I've been in rooms with celebrities that that were embarrassed that they were celebrities, but they really want Jesus. And and they felt guilty about their success. I've also been in the rooms with celebrities that they want you to know who they are. and We all know who they are. But the truth is, if somebody, no matter who they are, famous or not famous, if they have a genuine passion for learning about God, 
I want to talk to them. Mm. If they don't have a passion about God, I still want to talk to them because I know that they're headed in the wrong direction. Why? So that Come they on. could repent. Repent is God's gracious way of allowing us to say, I was going in the wrong direction. Now I need to go in this direction. He would be a mean God if he didn't allow us to repent. But because he's such a gracious, loving, and kind God, he says, I'm going to allow you to apologize and I'm going to allow you to get on the right track. Why wouldn't we offer that to all people? He told us to. But when we're talking about relevance, we're talking about it in the healthy way. The right way would be if I'm talking to fishermen, I'm going to talk about fish. If I'm talking to musicians, I'm going to talk about music. If I'm talking to teenagers, I'm going to talk about things that teenagers deal with. If I'm talking to elderly people that live in Long Island, New York, I'm going to talk to them about things that they're able to identify with so that they could understand the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus did in relevance. He used all of these different examples in his explanation of the kingdom of God to get people on fire for God. And it's so good, Chris. Oh my goodness, bro. You got me buzzing right now. You know, I cut my teeth on preaching. I got saved at a secular university. So very early on, I stood up with them my first week saved and I stood up in the middle of the student union and shared my testimony. And so I preached open airs on probably at this stage in the game, hundreds of colleges and, and still do. I mean, I wow. love that. I remember one time I was at, at that time it was deemed the number one party school in America, according to Playboy magazine. So I'm told. And uh, MTV was advertising, if you won a contest back when they showed videos, they would fly you and your date for what was then at our university called Pioneer Week. It was more alcohol consumed per capita, more date rate, more venereal diseases per capita than any other place. And I remember this dude, and, and uh, I don't know if he's still alive or not. He came on our campus with a three-piece suit. Uh, he had another assistant, had placards, and uh, he used a very derogatory term for homosexuals and said, you're all going to hell. Uh, he pointed at a group of girls assuming they were in sororities, he said, his quote, a prostitute couldn't make a plug dime on this campus because what they get paid for, you're, give, you're giving away for free. And I'm a campus pastor and I, I literally start crying, Chris. I'm crying on multiple levels. Probably the biggest grievous thing is I go, that, that's not my Jesus. You know, it's that classic right. line of that's the right. women at the tomb. And then the second thing, I thought, man, we're laying down our lives, making connections to these students so that we can win them to the Lord. And right now you just put a face on Christianity that is not the face of Jesus. And for that matter, I think he thought maybe he was coming at him old school prophet. Number one, wrong dispensation, bro. But second of all, I don't even think you got that right because the prophet was speaking to people sure. who should know better. And I started thinking because I stood up to him and uh, he, he insulted me, called me an adulterer, but I think he meant adulterer of the word because I'm faithful. And uh, I said, hey, man, leave our campus. Anyway, I stood up on a soapbox, preached the gospel, and three people got saved. And I immediately said, what you just heard, this is, why, this is part of the reason why Jesus came. We had religion before Jesus came, but now we have a power that's relevant to your pain that can meet you where you're at. And so I'm thinking, man, as an evangelist, and I know, bro, you are very evangelistic. And man, I listen to you. You have a great balance, as, as I look at it, in terms of holiness and harvest. You, you have that holiness component that comes out, but you're ever concerned about the, the harvest. How, how has that been worked inside of you, Chris? Like, What are some of the things that God has deepened that revelation of that thing of holiness in you, but harvest in you as well? Yeah, in, in fairness to this, to this conversation, and because it's Keep It 100, uh, on. early on in my ministry, I was thrown in to a world that I didn't know existed. My mm. first speaking engagement ever 
was for Bishop T.D. Jakes for his youth ministry. This is before social media. I probably oh preached God. the worst sermon in my life. I didn't know. I didn't grow up around guest speakers. Our church never had guest speakers. I didn't know there was a thing. I didn't know what a green room was when I got to one. Um, but what happened was Bishop was so gracious to bring me in and have me preach to his youth. Well, all of a sudden, all these churches, just because Bishop had me, all then started asking me to come preach for them. So now my world as a young 20-year-old is just opened up. And now I'm, I'm starting to see all these different pastors that maybe I heard about when I was younger or I'm hearing about on the road. Because you know how that goes. You go into one green room and they're Absolutely. talking about someone else. You go in another green room, they're talking about someone else. And I started to be exposed to all these other ministries and all these other churches and when I'm getting to some of those green rooms and we're going to dinner and the conversations we're having, I just remember thinking this can't be it. Wow. Th this isn't this isn't what Jesus gave his life for. This isn't what he commissioned us to do. And then I remember trying to challenge someone and then laughing at me mm. and people talking about traveling as if it were a gig mm. and it scared the heck out of me. Wow. And I'm grateful for how I grew up and how uh, my upbringing was in church and my parents and the same for my wife. My, my wife got saved at 16 years old in our church, mm. didn't know church wow. before that and fell in love with Jesus in that context. So anytime we saw when the sermon on stage did not match the conversation off stage, that's where we started to get turned off and said, we can't do this. And then as we started to go and as we started to travel and we're traveling with people and then those people aren't around the next year and they're having public fallouts and all of it became so scary. And all of those things, man, if I just make it about Jesus, I'm good because here's the goal. I'm trying to make it to well done, good, faithful servant. That's all I want. So, mm. so I have to make sure that I'm staying in his will. You want me to love my wife? That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to love my wife. You want me to love my children? Absolutely. I'm going to love my children. You, you want me to preach the gospel? I'm going to preach the gospel. Who do you want me to preach it to? You want me to preach it to them? Great. But as I do that, don't make it about me. Okay. Okay, Holy Spirit, show me how to not make it about me. Convict me when I do. When I'm when I'm posting too much and I'm doing things, I thank God for my wife because she'll say, hey, I know you didn't mean it that way, but that's how it comes off and you're coming off thirsty right now. So take that down. Okay, yeah, you're right. I don't want to be thirsty. Get you a come wife, on, get you a spouse that is going to call you out and that is going to keep you in check regardless of fame, regardless oh. of opportunity, regardless of gifts and green rooms. I pray none of that affects us. And here's what I mean. All those things are, are good in, in the rightful meaning. Mm -hmm. But when people allow that to go to their head and now all of a sudden a celebrity in our subculture mm. of Christianity, when the Ooh. whole point is that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve, and you're a celebrity in that, and you think that that's cool. I can't control what other people say about me, but I can control what I say to people and how I behave around them. And that's why I want to take every opportunity I get to speak against that idea of Christian celebrity. Celebrity, we came to make Jesus famous, and we are supposed to model how Jesus lived. He did not come to be served, so he came to serve. So you know what that means? If I'm coming to preach at the church, guess what? I don't want you to rush me off after I'm done preaching so that I can go to dinner. I want to stay and pray with people at an altar 
Or if That's somebody great. comes up to me and says, can I pray with them? You don't have to tell them that Pastor Chris has to go just so that you can get out of there because my 45 minutes on the stage were done. I came to do ministry of tree. I want to help people. I want to love people. I want to see people set free. I want to see lives change. Let's keep it 100. We have too many people that are setting out to do ministry but really for bragging rights, not for kingdom's sake. Oh my goodness. It's not Bro. ministry. It's opportunity. Ministry is me praying with the person that just now is responding to what was just said. Why would you take me away from the person that is responding to what was said? Did you bring me in to, to make a speech? You brought the wrong one in. That's not what we do. And even, even now, I mean, when I think about when we were able to meet in person and do and do services live, uh, Sean, you know what we we saw growth right away and wow. and immediately we had to we had to add a fourth service well four wow. services live on a sunday is a whole lot and we started to see growth and then covid hit but i often wondered what we were going to do because i don't ever want to go to like an hour service I want to be able to pray with people at the altar. So either we're going to go all day. Like we have to figure that thing. I'd rather do less <laughs> services so that I could pray with someone and spend time with them than just get them in, get them out. Like it's a, like it's a conveyor belt. That's real, bro. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So you, you told me to keep it 100. I, I hope that's okay. Oh my God. Yes. You know, I think you, you, you're hitting on something all around and man, that I couldn't agree with you more. I'm, I, if I could throw a shoe at you, through this advent of technology, I <laughs> my shoe. But I was thinking about this. You know, I think a lot of people went this relevant in a sense of church to them. And you're addressing this. How can I make my programs most relevant? And I think there is a positive side of that, but here is the drop off. I think we work so hard, as my mentor would say, on big screens, smoke machines, and skinny jeans, which I'm all I'm for all of that. But mm-hmm. the bottom line is. What is the commodity of the kingdom of God? It's the presence. Mm-hmm. So I see this thing that you can have a relevant program or you can have righteous presence. And here's what I feel like has happened. I think they're saying right now that for churches and states and places that are opening up, they're finding out that only about 37% of people have made it back. But they've also found out a certain number of people are kind of in a quagmire. They don't know if they're coming back. And I think some of it is the fruit of if all you've given them is a program, I'm going to stay at home on my couch, sip a mocha latte. I'm going to check you out right. on that because if all of this is a program, but here's the deal. If you have an atmosphere of righteous presence, now that's going to get me out of my bed, off my couch. So I feel like we're reaping. We so went this, how could I be so relevant and make this thing so attractive and I believe the gospel is already attractive. And again, I think I've already communicated. I, I feel like we need to be righteously relevant. And that's kind of what I'm pulling for. But I feel like a lot of people, it's turning on them now. And I feel like God didn't send COVID, but maybe he's using COVID in terms of keeping it real and to unplug us from our old normal. We thought our old normal in the church world, we thought our old normal was cutting it. But the truth be told, it wasn't cutting it. We it just wasn't. thought it was cutting it. And now God, we're, we have people, I just want to get back to normal. Oh, heck to the no. Man, we ain't trying to get back to normal. God doesn't, he's bringing us to a place he doesn't want us to come back from. He wants us to begin to search for God's new normal. And maybe in biblical talk, it's like there's a new wine skin. Everybody talks about, we want the new wine, meaning the outpouring of the spirit, meaning the moving of the spirit. But right, if you really read that passage, that's right. you, you want a new wine skin because God is going to give you wine commensurate to your wine skin. Because if he gives you new wine and you got an old wine skin, it's going to tear your church up. And dude, the wine is lost. So maybe our cry should be, yeah, new wine, but what is the new wine skin? And I believe the new wine skin isn't the pendulum of distorted relevance 
It isn't a hyper-legalistic kind of old-school righteous. There's some balance in between, but I love what you're saying. It's got to be real. It's got to be presence. Come on, man. Talk to that. Well, you know, so often, so when, when people talk about doing ministry and they describe their ministries and they, they talk about what they're big on and what they're not big on, if I just follow the word of God, I don't have to worry about swinging any pendulum, any direction because the word of God centers me. It keeps me centered and it keeps me focused on the right thing. And the main thing, the reason why the, the worship movements that are breaking out right now is because people are so attracted to this authentic, beautiful sound that is happening in the spontaneous. Everyone is now wanting to do spontaneous worship because they're realizing that people are catching on to it. But why are people so in love with spontaneous worship? Because it wasn't planned. It's just what is happening. You're allowing God to move. And if we really want to see pastors uh, pay attention to, to getting back, the same way you were on your knees when COVID first hit, and we were dealing with everything we were dealing with, why would you ever leave that space? Why would you get comfortable in COVID? And now you're thinking, oh yeah, we realize it's not going to kill us. We're, we're going to be okay. Well, the majority of us are going to make it out. Why would you want to go back to what was? Why would you not want to respond to where things are? That's relevance, by the way. You know what I find so funny? There are churches that refuse to, to move on. And now this is how we've done it. And as if that's the Holy Grail. Well, the truth is the Bible was originally written in Greek and Hebrew. So if you want to make sure to do it the right way, you better learn Greek and Hebrew and teach it that way. The <laughs> fact that, that you're teaching it in English and you're reading it from a King James version, even King James, what it, who is maybe old to one person, that's that was new at one point in time. And then you got the new King James version. And then you have the NIV. And then you have the Amplified. Then you have the the message. All of those tools are great and all of them speak to relevance. I always say this. I don't want to be where God was. I want to be where God is. Say that. I want to be able to speak to people where they're at. And all God mm -hmm. wants is that for people to hit a place where they want to be so vulnerable and honest with him so that he could impact them, so that he could fill them. Are we creating atmospheres where that can happen? Because maybe your programming wasn't working. If your growth is only predicated on your ability to come up with a cool sermon series or a gift, the moment that your ability to preach stops, so does your church. But if it is not built on that, come on, Chris. then people are still going to come and they're going to want to be there whether you're preaching or not. Pastor Brian Houston said to me a long time ago, we were sitting at dinner one day and he said, Chris, I want you to know this as a leader. People will make a big deal about what you make a big deal about. If you don't make a big deal about it, they won't make a big deal about it. And here's my point. We have too many pastors that are not making a big deal about prayer. They don't make a big deal about worship. They don't make a big deal about the presence of God because they think that they're going to they're gonna lose people because it's going to go over their hour and 10 minute program as if they have to be a spokesman for God, as if they're God's PR. No, no, you're you're a vessel. You get to speak as the Holy Spirit speaks through you, but God does not need your defending. You know, you know when you have like a friend and you don't really know how everyone else is going to treat him, so you kind of like preface who your friend is to your other friends. This is how so many pastors treat the Holy Spirit. Man, just make room and allow the Holy Spirit to come, and then the Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit does. And the same way you got saved in an atmosphere like that, they'll get saved in 
in an atmosphere like that because there's something about the presence of God. Even if they never grew up in it and they never experienced it, they're going to realize that they need it. You don't have to, mm. you don't have to soften it in. You don't have to soften me in. You could just give it to me and let me experience it. Why? Because I was actually made for this. They were made for this. And this is where, you know, I do get worried for pastors. I do get worried for churches. We, we make it about all these cliches and, and corny one-liners and just things, man, that it's just, it ain't going to last. You're not going to see what, what you really wanted to see at one point. Because I think when I think about being saved, we all have those moments. When we yes. first got saved, I'm on fire. I just I just want to do it for you, Jesus. I just want to live for you. I just want to preach your word. I'll, I'll, I'll be willing to say anything to anybody. And then somewhere along the line, that feeling goes away if you don't if you don't steward it right. Well, then you got to get back to that place. Chris, man. Oh, my God. Final thing, man, because I know you got to run. But I was thinking about this. Man, when I was in my 20s, I began in ministry at that time. And, and we don't have to. I'm, I'm not going to mention his name because I don't think it's important. But at this stage in the game, it's kind of blown over. One of my heroes in the faith, he had a moral failure, made a bad choice and, and didn't seek to be restored, didn't own it completely. Sure. I remember I had to speak that night and I was to so tore up, man. And I remember just being broken in a Older man of God, he's allowed me to speak and share about our campus ministry. And he saw I was kind of tore up. And he says, hey, are, are you a little bum and tore up because this mentioned the guy's name? He, he had a moral failure. And I go, yeah, yeah, I am. And I remember as a young Christian, my struggle was, how am I going to make it, man? If he fell, sure. how, how am I going to make it? That's and right. then he, he said some words of wisdom to me. He says, young man, let me tell you something. That guy had to leave the presence of God to do what he did. He says, your safeguard throughout your ministry, if you could stay in the presence, you'll stay in that place, you'll make it. And I think one of the things that, you know, you talk about this righteousness relevance, and I love even in our conversation, bro, I think we've hit both sides, but maybe just speak to this thing of how righteousness is so important because it's ultimately, there's a seduction on the other side of that pendulum. If you swing away from personal righteousness, there's such a seduction yeah. that you don't know that the enemy is setting right. out a bait to try to trap you because he's after your destiny. Yes. Yeah, so you know, I think about, remember Peter, Peter had his, his rock star moment where mm. Jesus is asking the disciples, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter speaks up and he says, you are, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah, you know, depending on which translation you go. But he confesses mm. who Jesus is. And then in that moment, Jesus in turn tells Peter who Peter is. So Peter confesses who Jesus is, then Jesus confesses who Peter is. You're the rock and you all build my church, right? And he, and he hits him with it. Somewhere along the way, Peter thought he's feeling good about himself. Peter's famous for saying things at the wrong time. In fact, it's only a few <laughs> verses later, any eight days later, if you follow the Bible, that they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. And now what happens? He, he talks when he wasn't supposed to. He he says, this is amazing. Moses and Elijah are here. Let's, let's, let's build them shelters. I feel like Peter probably felt that he could say that because he had a moment where he won and he confessed that Jesus was Lord and he was, he was feeling good about himself. But if you were to follow that scripture and you were to read that story, it would suggest to you and actually would say that Peter, James, and John, when they got to the top of the mountain for the transfiguration, they were falling asleep. And then when they came awake, they noticed that Jesus was talking to Moses and Elisha. It was it was an awakening. He he wakes up and he sees Moses and Elisha. Mm. And then when he finally speaks up, he goes, let's make a shelter for Moses and Elisha. There's a couple of <laughs> things we can point out. One, why did you feel so comfortable to fall asleep after you got to the top of the mountain 
When Jesus told you we were going to the top of the mountain to pray, what confidence did you have in yourself? That's the same confidence later on when they're, in the, when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane and they come to arrest Jesus. And who's all sleeping? The same disciples. Jesus says, can you pray with me just for an hour? And three times they fall asleep, lest you fall into temptation. And we know Peter does fall into temptation. But going back oh, to the Mount of Transfiguration, on the Mount of Transfiguration, they fall asleep as opposed to staying awake to pray. They almost missed this moment of glory, by the way. And they missed a big piece of it because they were sleeping. In fact, when Peter says, Jesus, it's good for us to be here. The, the, the scripture actually suggests that Moses and Elijah were leaving, which means he did miss a big part of the moment. So Moses and Elijah are leaving. And Peter's like, no, no, it's good for us to be here. Uh, let, let, let's build some shelter. First off, why did you think, Peter, it was okay to suggest that Elijah and Moses would be worthy enough to have the same shelter that you would build for Jesus. They weren't greater than Jesus. They, they're just men like you. But because he got so caught up in the celebrity of that moment, he was so excited about seeing Moses and Elisha. Here's even the tougher part. Why weren't you that excited when it was just you and Jesus? Why were you not that excited when Jesus said, come up to the mountain with me and pray? And then what happens? He goes to sleep and then he wakes up and they're about to leave. And he says, Lord, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's let's build a shelter. And then the Bible describes that, that, that a cloud comes down and then God, God the Father has to interject in this moment. Why? Because he's missing it completely. And he has to say, listen to my son. Why? Because he wasn't listening. He wasn't paying attention. He was in the glory of God, but he was concerned about the wrong thing. And then when the cloud comes up, guess what? Moses and Elijah are gone. Great. Because it wasn't about Moses and Elijah. It was always about Jesus. And my wow. frustration with Peter in this text is that I see myself in Peter, where I've made mm. it about the wrong things. And I have had moments where I've had a glimpse of glory or I've almost missed out on glory because I was fascinated and focused on the wrong thing. When I think of oh, what wow. we're talking about, if I just stay in the presence of Jesus, you know what I don't have to worry about? I don't have to worry about me walking away from right righteousness. And I don't have to worry about me not being relevant because there is no more, one more relevant than the timeless word of God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is no one more relevant than Jesus. If I stay and live in his presence, and I'm not just trying to stay where I was, but go where he goes, then I don't have to worry about any of it because I'm living how he mm. wants me to live. And I'm speaking to the people in the way that they could understand because the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, which will allow me to speak to them. But we have too many Peters that get too excited about a moment of victory. And they allow that moment of victory to make it about something else. Let me talk to Moses. Let me talk to Elijah. Who cares? You have Jesus. Oh my God. So when you talk about a celebrity driven culture and world, this is something we have dealt with for such a long time. You want to talk about relevance? Relevance is saying what needs to be said at the proper time, addressing the current moment that's actually happening. That's relevant. So everyone that's worried about looking young or None of that matters. If you live in the presence of God and you make it solely about Jesus, you will never walk away from relevance and you will never walk away from righteousness. Man, Chris, man, I'm serious. You are dropping nuggets and pearls left and right, my brother. Hey, real quickly, how can we stay in contact with you? How can people plug in? Chris is a phenomenal communicator. Again, he heads up Saints Church as an author. You're going to want to get his book, the latest, The Heist, How Grace Robs Us of Our Shame. But how can we stay in touch with you, bro? 
Man, I appreciate you so much. Yeah, we're, we're I'm on all social media. I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. And then our church, Saints Church, we have a YouTube page where we upload all our content, all of our sermons, uh, so that we can help disciple people. And I'm just I'm honored. I'm honored to know you, Sean. Thank you for having me and allow me to be a part of it. Love you all. Keep it 100. Hey, absolutely. Give our love to Jai and the kids. You're amazing, bro. Oh my goodness. That conversation was so powerful. That thing was fire. And you know what I love about Chris is he is so relevant. Their merch is such fire. I want to wear their church merch. He's so relevant. There's such a pulse. He has so much swag. Him and his wife, their overall church culture, they are so swaggy. And yet he never compromises the holiness, the righteousness of the gospel. And I love that because there's such a delicate tension in today's world and the sway that so many people find themselves in that pull of the two. He has found this beautiful walk of so relevant, but so walking in the righteousness of Christ. That is so powerfully true about our friend Chris. All right, Keep It 100 Tribe, as always, we want to bring you the Keep It 100 Takeaways. And this episode, we want to talk about the twin tensions of kingdom life. So I'm going to start it off. The first twin tension of kingdom life is don't allow your pull of being righteous to eclipse your ability to be relevant. Mm, that's good. You know, the Bible, the, the Pharisees really attempted and endeavored to live righteously, uh, albeit self-righteously. But in the process of being righteous, they lost all of the connection to the common man of their day. And they really began to become this entity or this group of people that were really separated from everyone else in a way that Jesus came to really bring connection. And so I feel like a great example of this principle of don't allow the, your pull of being righteous to eclipse your ability to be relevant. We all have been around the person that they have all the right convictions. They're not doing all the don'ts. They're trying to do all the do's, but no one can relate to them. And so the mm. gospel message doesn't in any way leap off of them in a way that grabs anybody. Billy Graham gave us a great example of this. Billy Graham once said, Christy, he says, give me a Bible and a newspaper and I'll have a sermon for you that day. That's so good. And he's one of my heroes because right. what he's saying is, first of all, give me the Bible. I got to start with truth. But then he added to it, give me a newspaper. In other words, he's saying, I have a pull to be righteous as a minister, but I'm not going to let it eclipse my ability to be relevant. Let me read a newspaper. Let me find out what are the needs? What are the current tragedies? What are the things that are going on in people's lives? And I feel like in many times society has shifted around us. So must our approaches to get a hearing also shift. Because if we're preaching kind of in a modality that's 1970s and we're trying to reach a new millennium crowd, good luck with that. Right. Because the truth is, before you can ever captivate their heart, you must first capture their attention. And Jesus modeled this as well in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, who she was of a, a different race and they were at conflict. But one of the things that Jesus did is he didn't open up talking about the fact that she was in adultery. He opened up in the fact talking about water. Because here's a woman at the well, and Jesus made the connection that she had been married five times previously. It was now living with a man she's not married to. But most of the experts agree that she probably met those men at that well, probably talking about water. So here was a guy talking about water, making a connection to her. But he, in the midst of that, 
turns it into talking about that real worshipers worship in spirit and in truth, but he could have never have gotten a hearing with that truth if he didn't first connect to her about talking to her about water because water was relevant to her life. Ooh, that is so good. The second and final takeaway is don't allow your desire to be relevant to be greater than your conviction to be righteous. You know, Sean gave such a great illustration of our hero, Billy Graham. You know, he was such a great example that his methods changed, but the message never changed. And the message of holiness, the God gospel of righteousness never shifted, but his method did. And what I love is he stayed with the pulse of culture, but he always brought the true gospel. There was never a diluted gospel. And and I want to hit that point that when relevance becomes priority over righteousness, you dilute a gospel that was never intended to be diluted. And we twist, twist scripture to fit a modern world really is the equivalent of being an enabler, that you become an enabler of people's sin. You become an enabler of people's bondage, that when you twist the gospel to affirm people's compromise, to affirm people's sin, and you make them comfortable and actually feel justified in their sin, you've then enabled a lifestyle of bondage. And God sent his only son to on the cross to set us free from a life of bondage and captivity. And so you've actually undermined, diluted, but also twisted and taken the exact ingredient that God designed for Jesus to bring, and you've removed it out of the gospel simply from a place of wanting people to be comfortable. The gospel is wasn't created to make you comfortable. The gospel was created to make you free. And what I love is relevance becomes an heir if it requires compromise. And relevance without righteousness actually weakens our proclamation of the intention of the gospel. That is so great. And when I really think about how to sum up this episode. It's really a challenge to say that there is a balance of righteousness and relevance, and it's not either or, it's both and more. Come on. And I'm convinced the more we look like Jesus, the more righteousness will emanate from us, but relevance will continually connect our hearts with people that need to hear our message. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. You don't want to miss our next episode, Keeping 100 Tribe. We're going to continue this conversation looking at trends versus truth. And remember that relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keeping 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it